Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 4, Episode 11. Today we're talking about The Beast Within from 1981, directed by Philippe Mora. I'm Joel Lascola. And I'm Sean O'Rourke. Welcome to The Dumpster. Yeah, we're going right back into the dumpster at the top of the month here. <laughs> Diving deep in there. Oh, man, this is a good one. This I, I love this flick, dude. Uh, we're we're going to get into it. I, I, I don't know if I'll say I loved it, but I'll leave it at that for now. There's a lot of good stuff in this film, for sure. Uh, it, it You know... This takes place in the, I would assume, the fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I like to watch this in the summer. It's fucking hot. We are in the throes of the, well, we're in the beginning of the <laughs> summer, man. Yeah, it's already this hot, Joe. Think about what you just were about to say. You are about to be like, oh, we're in the throes of the summer. It's like, no, it's 90 already. <laughs> I was like, we're, it's the dog days. And it's like, no, it's just fucking really hot and humid outside. When, when August rolls around and the fucking sweat is just dripping off her face, she's got the <laughs> air conditioning set to 60 and it's still like 110 <laughs> out, you're going to be like, fuck. Oh, yeah, man. My ass is fully wet. And ready to go. And we're in the Northeast, so it's like, I can't even imagine the people in, like, Arizona and California and Florida who are getting cooked in their fucking living rooms, in their cars. <laughs> that's the dry heat, though. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, we wanted, to, we wanted to tackle the Beast Within because, um... You know, it deals with uh, with cicadas and coming and 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 uh, transformations and and all that kind of good stuff, which we'll get into. But uh, it's the year of the Brood X uh, cicada. It has been seventeen years since they've last emerged, and they're out and about. They're all over the fucking place. Now, do you hear them by you? Not yet. Okay. Uh, I don't think they've hatched yet. We did some gardening. The other day, and we actually dug up a couple because you know they go into the ground and and they and they hibernate and then they come out. So what happens when you find them in the ground? Are they just dead? What if you pull them up too early, or they start wriggling around? No, uh, this one didn't move. I think because uh, we the head. I think we stabbed it in the head with the with the space ah. by accident. It, look, we were we were trying to plant some fucking thyme and some oregano. Uh, and uh, yeah, little 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 bugger, no pun intended, was under there. Yeah, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is probably very happy you did that. <laughs> well, it's 17 years, uh, just like in this film. Uh, is I guess is that a thing with all cicadas? Is it always 17 years, or is that just the common trait? I believe that's that's how it goes. Um, I'm not a fucking entomologist, so I don't really know. But uh, but I do know that it was everybody was making such a big deal about Brood X emerging and like, oh my god, this is gonna be the oh Brood X, they're coming out, they're gonna be so loud. And stuff. It does kind of make me want to, like, take a trip to the Pine Barrens just to find... Actually, you know what? I might actually be camping while this uh, is all happening. I'll report back on the next episode. <laughs> or maybe the one after that. Let you know if I hear any cicadas. Don't go into the woods alone, all right? You know what happens when you go out into the woods alone? I don't come out. No, you don't. You get fucked by a were-cicada man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Uh... There's there's also a weird tie because I'm into like uh, riddles and puzzles and 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 weird uh, uh, not conspiracy theories in the way that you might think of them, but like uh, 
how do we how do I put this? Uh, uh, cryptic messages and things like that. There is a internet uh, puzzle or mystery or riddle, what have you, um, that is called Cicada thirty three oh one, and it's this cool like hidden message kind of puzzle where there's words and 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 clues and things that are baked into images and music that's played at a certain speed to get certain messages it's pretty fucking weird it's a weird rabbit hole if you want to go down it um i have i've only read about it i haven't tried to solve any of the puzzles myself or anything like that but i thought that was a a fun thing to include in this episode if you're into that kind of stuff Um, i'm not going to go deep into it but uh, check it out cicada 3301 and if anybody has actually heard of that and dug into it please let us know because i would love to learn more about that yeah it's it's nuts it's uh, it's a people theorize that it's uh that it was created by this um master like code breaker like that had worked for like the cia and shit like that okay so it's like this i mean they've deduced that like he probably they probably have a, a, a full-time day job and like do this on the side kind of thing interesting yeah so it, it's 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 pretty interesting uh, monster talk has covered it um definitely check out that episode of monster talk if you want to know some more about it and um one of the guys who guests on that episode uh does a deep dive of like his experience with it and the history of it and shit like that so it's it's super interesting definitely check it out so in honor of brood x we are talking about the beast within today uh uh, this movie shot in 1980 and does not come out theatrically until 1982. Ah, it's one of those. It's one of those, yeah. There's no, I don't think there's any particular reason for it. Um, it's usually shot the year before. So, like, it's shot in 1980, it's finished in 1981, comes out in 82 theatrically. Or at least widely released, right? A fun aside on this is, like, when, this is one of those flicks that when it was released, like, it, it was touted to have, you know, they had vomit bags in the fucking theater and shit, <laughs> which I love. Uh, the Mahoning Drive-In just did that. Uh, Harry, uh, from Exhume Films, um, had brought out to the Mahoning, uh, because they did their zombie fest, and they had, uh, zombie barf bags, like, screen-printed barf bags, so I thought that was, I always love that, that's super fun. And it's been done, you know, like in the seven, the sixties and seventies for other horror films. So it's it's pretty, it's a pretty neat little gimmick that I really enjoy. Yeah, I like that a lot too. It's like it makes me think of uh, what was that one with Vincent Price, The Tangler? Oh yeah, well that's like a four D experience where they put that shit under your seat. Right, right. I guess that's a little different. The air pump or some shit. Uh, but yeah, that interactive element that you're talking about, I I like stuff like that. Absolutely, fu- fucking love like 4D elements like that, like smell-o-vision and shit like that. And I could see some people getting a little sick at the end of this movie when you see uh, what this uh, creature kind of <laughs> looks like, which I, I've got some uh, opinions about when we get there. Uh, I, I've got a potential name for that character in the MDU. We'll get to it. <laughs> so I got I got a few uh, little tidbits to fucking uh to bite into here um so the effects speaking of the effects uh tom berman does the effects on this and if you don't know who tom berman is he's fucking he's a legend in in the field okay this man has done everything from the original planet of the Apes, or worked on everything from the original planet of the apes to uh to gray's anatomy um he's also the father of uh rob berman uh the b in the titular knb uh effects team huh. who we've brought up multiple times on the show uh Excellent, excellent, excellent effects team. You've been chewing my ear off about him for years, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
can be anyway. <laughs> I think this. Yeah, is, yeah. One of, well, Tom Berman actually did some of the effects on Howard the Duck too. I think we. I think we mentioned him in that episode. Oh, I'm sure we did. Yeah. And <laughs> speaking of Howard the Duck, I don't know if the listeners at home had uh, seen this, but Joe recently purchased <laughs> this horrendous, this is horrifying fucking Howard the Duck off Facebook. You leave me and my disgusting son alone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Look that up on Instagram if you haven't seen it. This thing is creepy. And, you know, it's, it's uh, how do we put it? He's got the proper equipment downstairs. Oh, yeah. He's anatomically correct for sure. He's got the cor- the old corkscrew for you. Yeah, he's going to, yeah, Leah Thompson knows all about that. <laughs> Go back and listen to our Howard the Duck episode. I think, uh, what was that, season two? Looks like a fucking rigatoni on that fucking thing. Oh, yeah. He slips that condom on. He's thinking about Duck World back in those duck boobs, and he, uh, he he's rock hard trying to put that on you're trying to put like a fucking rubber band around a crazy straw yeah <laughs> it's pretty hard <laughs> but howard's a pro he's a pro you know when i got that thing i look i ordered this this fucking thing was so like janky looking i, I got it on a, <laughs> a, a, a from a facebook ad i was like i fucking need this thing um when i got it all it is is like a gi joe body with like custom clothes and like uh uh <laughs> A duck head that like goes over the regular head, so it's like it's almost like a it's a like a GI Joe Howard the Duck mascot almost. Okay, yeah, I wondered why he had army fatigues on. Well, he wears army clothes. He he wears army pants in the movie. Yeah, you were saying that to me. I guess. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, because he like he like you know he like fucking robs like a fucking goodwill bin in the children's section or some shit. I don't know. Go check out Howard the Duck episode. I don't know what episode that is. That's the second season though of Movie Dumpster. Yeah, somewhere in the April. Uh area oh yeah so yeah just one more thing about the effects uh this comes this film comes out in that in that small window between 1980 and 1982 where we step up or 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 really where we come into the contemporary horror films of our generation i mean that that is the turning point uh from those 70s films into into the high uh Highly um, intricate special effects work starts to kick off. I mean, we got American World of London. Uh, we got The Howling. Uh, we have this film, The Beast Within, and even uh, The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. And two <laughs> two of those films are, are have effects fronted by Rob Bottin and the other one by um, Rick Baker. And, of course, this one, uh, Tom Berman's team. Um, in that pocket between 80 and 82, we were doing, like, cutting-edge... Uh, uh, prosthetic work and animatronics and shit, and this is one of the first films to implement the the bladders in a transformation. Like I think probably most people would be familiar with uh, like Michael Jackson's Thriller. Like when you watch that video and you see his face all bubbling and shit. Um, I mean that's of course Rick Baker's work, but that's the type of makeup that we're referring to when we say bladder work. So that, so so these movies kind of pioneered that technique and they all kind of share the secrets and Botine was working under Rick Baker when he did American World of London and then uh, Baker was supposed to work on Joe Dante's The Howling but ended up working uh you know taking the job under Dante and kind of heading The Howling makeup while uh and makeup and effects while Baker was doing uh um, American War from London, like adjacently, like as they were being made together, and then of course Botin goes on to do the thing special effects. But yeah, because of these films and because of like all this cutting edge uh, uh, effect stuff, prosthetic works and, and things like that, uh, the Oscars creates a, a new category for special effects, and of course, obviously Rick Baker wins it for uh, American War from London, as he should. So have. He's the first person to win an yeah, he's the first person to win an Oscar for special effects makeup. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. This movie's written by Tom Holland. Okay. 
the man behind Child's Play and Fright Night. <laughs> oh my god, is it really? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Tom Holland's, you know, is, is fucking legend. I mean, Fright Night is one of my favorite movies and probably my favorite vampire movie of all time. Easy. So this movie's based on a novel by Edward Levy, but here's the fucking bitch, right? This fucking guy, Ed, sells the title of the book to the to Metro Goldwyn Mayer, MGM Studios. Just the title, The Beast Within. They're like, shit, baby, you, you're going to write a fucking book called The Beast Within? Well, fuck, we're taking that, we're going to buy that, and we're going to make a movie out of it. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the people that uh, published The Visitor thought, too. <laughs> yeah, we're going to buy this and call it of unknown origin. So, so dig this. So Ed sells them the title, and then quote un- has writer's block, quote-unquote. So Tom Holland picks up the fucking slack and writes the actual story. <laughs> writer's block yeah and then writes the screenplay and then this guy ed levy fucking writes the book based on the screenplay by tom holland so it's not even ed's like original story or anything it's just the title that is a weird one we might have to talk to cb about this at some point oh we got to get his ass on the horn for this for sure because i want to see what liberties ed took in the book compared to the film which we're going to talk about yeah i would love to hear there's a few scenes in particular that would love to hear the uh, way it was written rather than portrayed right and there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's kind of left uh open-ended which isn't a bad thing but we'll talk about it right and uh our boy ronnie cox is in this film and i just want to bring him up first i wanted to introduce <laughs> him before we got to his character i did not recognize him at all and then i went on his wikipedia and i was like ah what the hell has this guy been in i'm like oh my god i work for dick jones <laughs> he is dick jones he is dick jones yeah uh so he gets this movie because of his performance in Deliverance, like the dueling banjos scene specifically because he's fucking jamming on that fucking guitar. Right. Um, he ends up writing a song, the, one of the country songs in this film. Like, I think it's even called The Beast Within or some shit like that. Anyway. Yeah, I was reading that nowadays, uh, now that he's retired, he just plays music exclusively. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's what he did. Which is kind of wild. Yeah, he was a, he was a songwriter uh, actor, you know, a musician actor. And he's great in it. He's great in everything. I also love that I saw he was uh, Cohagen in fucking Total Recall. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, he's also in fucking Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, he's like the uh, the main detective, I think, that helps Eddie Murphy. Yeah, in Beverly Hills, yeah. So, <laughs> without further ado, let's um, hatch from The Beast Within? <laughs> Yeah. Or let the beast within hatch here? I don't know. Try. I tried to make that work, but uh, yeah, emerge, shall we say. Yeah, before we crack out of our shells, <laughs> yeah. do us a favor if you haven't already. Uh, head over to wherever you're listening to this, whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever the hell, uh, Spotify, and just leave us a five-star review. And uh, if you got the time, uh, write us a review. That helps us, too. And, uh, you know, then we get out of the bottom of the dumpster into more eardrums and uh, just spread the good word of the show. Oh, yeah, baby. Like, subscribe, review, subscribe on that YouTube, maybe. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yep, and uh, check out our Patreon if you want some bonus content. We got that watch-along of the Super Mario Brothers extended cut coming? The Morton Jankel VHS cut is coming. I can't wait for that. <laughs> there is an additional 20 minutes of footage uh, that has been recut, uh, reinstated, and rescored, and I cannot fucking wait for that. That is going to be such a good time to watch with everybody on Patreon. Yeah. 
And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more at the end of the show, but uh, check that out, too. Absolutely. Oh, and head over to that uh, Movie Dumpster merch store. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you go to moviedumpsterpodcast.com, you have links to all of that good stuff. The store, the Patreon, uh, where you can listen on your favorite podcast apps. But uh, in the store, we put up some new merch. We got uh, Son of Dracula, uh, Bite It Tea with that iron-on transfer that we... That we uh, digitally restored and and put on a t-shirt for you guys and uh we also have uh talks from the dark side shirts now and book to the movie shirts so definitely go check that out i am waiting for mine to come in the mail (laughs) uh but yeah so the beast within you want to plot crunch this Ooh, okay so essentially how do i break this down A, a couple has an altercation in the middle of the night when this, like, Jersey Devil-ass monster attacks the woman. You could call it that, yeah. Altercation. <laughs> yeah, and impregnates her, and then, you know, we skip ahead 17 years, come to find out, oops, uh, little Michael isn't uh, Eli's son, isn't Ronnie Cox's son, he's uh, potentially the son of this creature, and then uh, some Wolfman-ass shit starts happening, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, there's there's a there's a a young love involved with uh, this girl Amanda, and the uh, there's kind of like a case almost happening in the background where the parents are trying to figure out who this uh, who or what this thing was that attacked uh, Caroline, uh, the wife of. Oh yeah, town with a town town with a secret for sure. Yeah, and then yeah, it all kind of culminates at the end when they're basically doing a having a good old uh, werewolf hunt essentially. <laughs> More or less, yeah. And there's also, like, this whole revenge plot inter- intertwined into there that's connected with the uh, the transformations, but we'll get into that. Yeah, there is something going on here, and I just don't know exactly what, but may- we're going to talk about it. So, so this movie opens up in uh, Neoba, Mississippi in 1964. <laughs> there's this couple that just got married, Eli and, and Caroline McCleary, and they're fucking driving through the swamps of Mississippi to I don't know what have a have a honeymoon or some shit. I love how these roads have all these fucking darts and dives in them, and these assholes are fucking like <laughs> kissing each other, not watching the road. She's reaching for his fucking Johnson. This, <laughs> this is intercut with like this fucking monster breaking out of this basement in this old house, right? <laughs> Yeah. The, the, uh, they stop at this gas station, and the guy's like, all right, make a turn before this fucking sign or whatever. And they miss the turn. So Ronnie Cox pulls the most oh my God. ridiculous fucking uh, K-turn in the history of fucking K-turns. He's just like, oh, shit, we missed it. Fuck. And then just cuts the wheel into a ditch. Yeah. In this mud-covered ditch, and then he can't move the car, and his fucking rim goes flying and everything. Oh, my God. He has to go back to the fucking station to get a tow. And... All this woman had to do was just stay in the fucking car, right? Yeah. Lock the doors. They have a dog, by the way. Like, they, they're they just married. They got it fucking painted in soap on the back of the fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and there's a dog in the back, so she lets the dog out. Uh, and that's the vehicle in which she leaves the car itself and goes into the woods. As soon as she let the dog out and we go and see this POV from Monster Vision or whatever the fuck it is, I'm like, <laughs> all right, there goes the family dog. Good night, Skip. Monster Vision TM. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's better uh, Monster Vision than uh, uh, an American werewolf in uh, Paris. That still has the worst of all time. Man, that doesn't even fucking count. I like. I think the Watchers movies, Monster Vision is better than American Werewolf in Paris, and that's saying something. Oh, man, I've never seen that. Excellent flicks. We got to definitely check it out. That first one's got uh, Corey Haim and uh, Michael Ironside in there. I'm into it. I like both of those names. Yep, good shit. So I knew this had a cicada theme going in yes you know this was the first time i ever saw it and i was kind of wondering where that was going for a while eventually it all kind of clicked for me but in the beginning i was like oh shit is this just a werewolf because you don't really get a good look at it and i kind of like that because you don't really know what you're getting into this movie does a really good job of keeping everything pretty much under wraps to the end and one can say well they're trying to hide the bad effects but at the time these were cutting edge right so yeah absolutely it's not like that was the case we're just, they're just trying to build tension and kind of let you figure it out as we go rather than telling you everything. Anyway, so this woman gets attacked and fucking Swamp Thing gets his dick wet and splits. <laughs> yeah, rips her shirt open. Leaves this woman in a fucking ditch covered in blood and shit. And Cicada Monster come, I guess? Oh yeah, his fucking, his fucking goo for sure, yeah. His mucus, his dick mucus. We, we couldn't go a month. Without this unfortunate subplot of, of someone being raped in a movie. I, I don't know how we keep coming back to these kind of subjects. The rest of the movie, I kind of enjoyed. We'll get into it. But uh, the rape, like, why? I, I get that's kind of the plot of the movie, so it doesn't uh, hurt it too bad. But I'm just like, oh, man, again? Well, it's a huge plot point and with rebirth and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's not just like, oh, here's people doing mean shit just because. Like, yeah. there is a reason for it. True. It's a lot more, uh, it's an easier pill to swallow in this film than in Mother's Day, per se. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, this is also like a fucking monster, right? <laughs> yeah. A cicada werewolf or, you know, we'll get to uh, a were cicada. Yeah. It's a Connor wolf, really, we find out. <laughs> you know, it, some of this shit is pretty fucking disturbing, especially like there. there's a long shot where this woman is being fucking slammed by this fucking monster and it's like off screen, but you could see her top half. I mean, it's shot really well. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the creature runs off and dad comes in with the fucking fire truck and he finds her. Yeah. And, you know, they, they kind of rush her off to the hospital and then you just kind of hear in the background some gunshots and something let out a whale, and uh, it kind of, like, fades out, and you're kind of just left to your own imagination as to what happened. It's, I mean, heavily implied they killed the thing. And then the movie's over. <laughs> no, wait. We flash forward 17 years right. later, and we're we're now in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, uh, we go to this fucking doctor's office, this guy, uh, Dr. Odom. Yeah. Uh, I kind of love the way that this story pans out because, like, their son is sick, right? So the the couple from the beginning, Eli and Caroline, there's something wrong with their kid. He turns 17, and he's, like, fine a couple months before, and all of a sudden he's just fucking sick now. He has this deathly uh, illness, but nobody knows what the fuck it is. And they're just like, yep, uh, I don't know. Your kid's going to be on life support forever, or he's going to die. Sorry, we don't know what's wrong with him. He's got to be in this hospital just for reasons. We're not really even sure what to do with him. We, we don't even know what's wrong with him. We just know something's really wrong with him. Uh, Yeah, he's got a chemical imbalance, okay? Look, there's something wrong with his pituitary gland. He's going cra It's going crazy. We take American Express. You know, he can't get enough nutrition no matter how much fucking food we shove down this kid's throat. He's just... He's 
he's he's he's insatiable. So we took the liberty of giving uh, taking a test for you know taking a blood test for you guys, and it turns out that nothing's wrong with you genetically because the guy says it might be a hereditary thing. Right. And he's like, well, unless there's a big plot point of this movie that you're leaving out for me that I don't know what happened because I didn't see the cold open. The doc even straight up says like, oh, is there something that uh, you need to tell me that I don't know? And this is where Eli, the dad, he like flips out and like you obviously find out later why. But he gets all pissed off and like storms out of the room like, oh, I don't have to take these questions. <laughs> Did you happen to get fucked by a cicada in the swamp? <laughs> Uh, yeah. She's like, yep, I sure did. That's what happened. Well, I guess we're going back to the town to figure out who the fuck this thing was or man was that that had sex with me. Because they got to figure out how to, how to... I guess. Cure their son. Right. And it's obviously not Eli's, it's, it's the monster, but she also doesn't know it's a monster, right? They just think it's some guy who raped her and left her in the woods, like pulled her from her car or whatever. Right. Who then, you know, who then shellacked her with a bunch of bug goo, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd he get all this fucking uh, cicada spit? I have to give this woman props, man. She is the she's one of the toughest people in this movie. Oh yeah, she gets raped, has the kid, and Eli is doing most of the time. Ronnie Cox is doing most of the time. Is is mostly the one who's like, ah, my son, I don't want to believe it. Ah, yeah, and she's just like. She's the one who had to go through all of those experiences, you know what I mean? But I also do wonder if she told her husband, like, yeah, a literal fucking cicada monster raped me, and then, like, you know, he believes her because it's his wife, and now it's like, oh, shit, something's weird with my son. I guess that isn't my son. Now he's, like, freaking out. Well, they don't know it's a monster. They they, they think they think it's a guy who raped her, right? Yeah, I guess as we come to find out. So they're trying to track down, like, his lineage to that fucking town where that happened and see if, you know... There was a crime like this. If this guy's a rapist, then there's he's obviously committed other crimes and they kind of wanted to see if they can pin it down in the same time period, the time period as it happened. They put on their uh, detective uh, hats and jackets quite literally and start fucking hitting the uh, beat. Oh, yeah. It's, they, they fucking pull a Conjuring 3, dude. They fucking Ed and Lorraine. One. <laughs> they Scooby Doo their way into fucking Nyoba, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. That is uh, too spot on. I couldn't believe we did those so close to each other. Just happened to work out. Imagine the Warrens taking on this case. Oh, my God. The fucking Ware Cicada. I'd watch that. I would kind of love that, actually. <laughs> Especially when we kind of figure out what starts. To, I mean, you know what? James Wan's going to remake this fucking movie. He's gonna, This is The Conjuring 4, right? It's going to take place in Mississippi. He's just going to inject some witchcraft and the Warrens in there, and boom, you're fucking done. Movie's over. Oh, my God. Sell it. Write that script, Joe. Just write it down. Send it to James Wan. Say, it's a work print, but it's it's uh, solid gold. Uh, so, then we, so then we see Michael getting rolled in, their son, and this fucking, like, uh, stretcher. Paul Clemens, by the way, from Communion. And this guy is... Uh, the only other movie that I've ever seen him in was Communion. But this guy's really cool because he sculpted a lot of... Um, monster masks and stuff because he, he was like big into special effects too for like private collectors they would like commission him to like do sculpts and stuff and he also worked uh under tom berman for a couple uh other movies he's did he did the outing and he did uh one dark night really michael ray bauer's favorite movie yeah i've never seen that one either killer genie oh yeah 
good shit. Oh, I think you've told me about that before. Yeah, we definitely gotta we gotta tackle that. Maybe this summer. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, Michael, he's in this stretcher and he's connected to an IV and he's sweating up a storm and hallucinating. He's like hallucinating about waking up in a field like outside the fucking Sawyer house. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, fucking Leatherface. It's it's like uh, Tex Chainsaw Origins. Yeah, he goes in and he finds Leatherface in the basement. No, that doesn't happen. Yeah, so he he this is like one of his. He has like this dream that he's at this fucking house, uh, this old house that we saw in the beginning of the movie where we saw the fucking monster burst out of. And I love how they use this imagery because it's like he's having a dream, and the trap door in the house is where this thing is that's like causing him all this pain, and he, and he like he's holding his ears, and this thing's like talking to him like te- telepathically or whatever. It's like all in his head, though. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's really cool because it talks to him, but you never, you never hear it. You only hear him responding to it. Yeah, exactly. But he like walks into the uh, house again. It, it basically looks like the sore house, but all the uh, the fucking windows are boarded up. And uh, he goes in, and there's this fucking evil dead fucking trap door in the floor that he opens up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come down to my root cellar. And not even is it an evil dead reference, but we also get a house by the cemetery reference because he gets, like, chucked down these cellar stairs by this Freudstein-looking fuck. Oh, he gets kicked right the fuck down, yeah. And then uh, I think he kind of snaps out of it after that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he, like, he like wakes up, and then we and then Mom and Dad are fucking on the hunt for records. They go to, they go back to Nioba. They go to Boggy Creek. They pull in <laughs> the fiddles. There's a fiddle-diddle being played. It's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Oh, yeah, man. Gatorface is down there, too. <laughs> yeah, LeVar, LeVar Burton's there. Winstrom's there in the bog. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're looking around town. They go to the fucking newspaper and they go to the fucking courthouse and they're trying to find records on the town. And everybody's like super tight lipped about it. I love when mom goes to the fucking newspaper and it's this guy Edwin Edwin Kerwin, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be important. Yes, he's like, oh yeah, we got the papers in the back. He's like, you can just look at it or whatever. But when I have lunch, uh, you got to be done. And she's like, oh yeah, great. So uh, a few minutes go by, and he's like, ah, where's that bitch? He's like, I got to eat my lunch. Get out. And he's like yelling and shit. <laughs> I got to eat my, my raw hamburger. <laughs> this guy's played by Logan Ramsey, dude. And I was like, who the fuck is this motherfucker? Turns out he's one of the three homeless people in the, sc- in the scene in Scrooged when he goes <gasps> to see Claire. Oh, my God. It's Mama Fratelli. You rang. Yeah, it's Mama Fratelli, Herman, and and then this guy is the, is the one of them. When I watch Scrooge this year, I'll uh, point him out. Yeah. So then Eli goes to see the judge, who's played by Don Gordon uh, from The Borrower, Exorcist Three, The Omen, The Final Conflict. Um, he's great in this movie. I love him. And he's basically like... Uh, yeah, you ever have any cases with, like, murderers or rapes or anything? And he's like, uh, no. Uh, see ya. And he's like, okay, bye. Yeah, that, that, that's really just in there, just so the judge knows that they're looking into this, because then Edwin kind of fucking runs over there, scampers across to his office, and is like, oh, they were asking questions about Bobby Connors. <laughs> yeah, because Caroline finds, like, a front-page full-spread ad of, like, uh, Lionel Carwin dead, shot to shit. 
And the guy's like, man, there's not been a murder here since forever. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, trying to keep a fucking lid on it? Yeah. Anyway, the the, the judge and uh, the judge, everybody's in on it. So this guy, Edwin, and the judge are obviously trying to cover something up. And they, you know, they try to stop Eli and, and Caroline from, from finding out who it is. Well, they go to the sheriff's office. But, yeah, but yeah, Sean, they make it to the fucking sheriff's office. And this guy... They're looking for this sheriff who was sheriff at the time, but he, like, died a year later. Well, yeah, Sheriff Brandt, uh, they come in, and he died a year ago, but when they find out how he died, it wasn't, like, natural causes. Like, oh, he was ripped to pieces by some monster. Well, <laughs> it's like, okay, I thought that would, they, I thought they were talking about, like, the cicada monster at first, but then I guess it was just a bear. Well, no, they're not talking about the sheriff. So, so the guy who's the sheriff now is Bill Poole, and he's, um, he was a deputy at the time of, like, the rape and stuff. But they find out, they ask him about lying. Lionel Kerwin's uh, death or his murder. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. And Lionel Kerwin uh, apparently was a real son of a bitch and he was ripped to fucking pieces. Uh, They're like, oh my God, an animal killed him? He's like, yeah, uh, it must have been an animal. And then it set fire to his house. Right, right, exactly. Uh, By the way, this uh, Sheriff Poole, played by LQ Jones, uh, he's one of those kind of that guy actors you see in a lot of shit. Uh, specifically, he was in Casino, and he was the county commissioner, Pat Webb. He's like, oh, yeah, you need to rehire my brother-in-law, uh, Joe Bob Briggs, because Denny... Oh, my God! Because Robert De Niro fires his ass because he sucks at his job and costs them all this money from these people that cheat. That's right. And they take Joe Bob Briggs, and he fucking, like, they carry him out, all the security, and they use his head as, like, a fucking battering ram to open the door. <laughs> Uh, and then this guy comes in and is like, I really wish you would rehire my uh, brother-in-law, and he, and he won't. So that that's uh, what I remember him from. Oh, man, that's fucking hilarious. I didn't even I didn't even put that on him. I didn't get the beat on that guy. Uh, what, what does he say? He says something. They're talking about the Kerwins or something. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a shame that guy got killed. He goes, ah, he was a son of a bitch, part of my French. Oh, yeah, he, he says he's a real piece of shit, and like he, he, they, they found him all tore up and stuff. And that's all they really get out of them, you know what I mean? Because they they have the newspaper, and they're trying to put the pieces together. I don't know exactly why they think Lionel Kerwin had anything to do with it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where they're kind of going with that thread. I guess because that was the only significant thing to be reported or happened that day, the same day. It, it's more so information for the audience, I feel like, so that as things start to happen, as the movie progresses, you're like, oh, shit, another Kerwin. Like, I don't know why it's there for the characters. No, for sure. So they go back to the hospital, and they're like, yeah, this Kerwin guy or whatever, and then Michael's just fucking gone, and we see him, like, all fucked up driving a car. Uh-huh. Yeah, sweating and shit. Yeah, man, he's fucking turning into John Travolta, it looks like. <laughs> I was a teenage Travolta? Maybe. Maybe. Fucking crashes that car, though. Yeah, I love how uh, they do this a couple times in the movie where it has a big lettering pops on the screen the first night. Yeah, I'm into that. It's almost like chapters. I I like that. Uh, And then he goes uh, back to the Sawyer house in his dream, but this is just to kind of indicate that he's transforming into this whatever this is the first inclination you get because he goes to that house like sean said in his dream and he goes to the basement to open it up and this is where he has his first conversation with this fucking disembodied voice that we don't hear yeah and he tells him you can come out now he's like you can come out now i'm opening the door and he's like oh i'll do it if you promise to let me sleep or like leave me alone or whatever so this is the first kind of inkling we get like there's a little bit more going on here it's almost like 
possession or like influence yeah happening here because the uh whatever's inside him doesn't have control over him 24 7 it's like in, in short bursts it comes and goes and i think it's i think it's because of the cycle of this kind of again this this cicada motif that that runs throughout the movie uh it even lines up with like the full moon too so it, it is like a werewolf cycle almost yeah that's kind of where i was going with the werewolf shit earlier where it was like oh i see the full moons like kind of at play here I, you can only really see the legs in that first scene right like what what are we actually dealing with but it's a classic kind of thing too because like you know for each phase of the moon he gets a little bit more and more yeah. uh, cicada-y. Just like like a classic werewolf tale where you get a little bit more hairy and hairy. Like, it's not just full moon. Like, it hap- you go crazy, like, every night up leading up until uh, you actually go full wolf. In some cases. Anyway. So then he makes his way over to Edwin Kerwin's house. The, the guy from the newspaper. Right. And uh, Edwin somehow mistakes him for, like, the delivery boy, because I guess the delivery guy just, like, dropped the shit off and didn't say anything. I guess. And uh, Michael just grabs it, and he's like, oh, yeah, put it on the table. Come on in. Want a hamburger? I'm going to make it without washing my hands. <laughs> it's fucking disgusting, dude. He's like, he's like, oh, you look hungry, man. I'm going to fucking make you fry up some burgers or whatever uh i know i'm gonna cover it in fucking worcestershire sauce or something <laughs> and he's like mixing it up with his hands and like touching the fucking door and like dude he takes out like a big bottle of heinz and just blasts ketchup all over this thing and just fucking fists it oh man he's touching everything and it's making me fucking skeeved out because like all that raw meat and e. coli all over everything yeah and he looks dirty like he's got sweat marks all over himself so i'm sure he's scratching his ass and then sticking his hands back in there <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm surprised he doesn't fucking eat the shit raw. Uh, be careful. There's a couple skin tags in the mix. I don't know, just chew through them. Mm-mm, my favorite. So we get this trademark cicada sound, which is really cool. Yeah. And I, it's something I always remember from this movie. And what's cool about it is it's audible to everybody around him. Like, it's not just in his head. Right. Because... Ed Ed's like, what the fuck, cicadas this time of year? He's like, that's impossible. Hey, did you hear that? And then fucking Michael turns around and just like rips his fucking throat out. Oh yeah. Then he like power bombs him into the table. <laughs> it's a great scene. Uh I love the way this is shot, and there's like blood spreader like on this guy's bare feet, like Oh yeah. And like uh his hand and he's like squishing the fucking meat in his hand that he was playing with before. <laughs> Yeah. I really like it. It's gross and just, I don't know, effective. Yeah, and then Michael just sucks him dry, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Sucked him off real good. Oh, yeah. By the way, just just a side note, sidebar, this movie had a lot of stuff in it that wasn't necessarily allowed in films up until this point, right? The MPAA had a fucking field day with this film, cutting a bunch of shit out of it. And, like, the full frontal nudity stuff... Um, and a lot of the gore stuff was cut from from the UK release and, and even from theatri- even a, a theatrical release. And they had to, like, fight tooth and nail to kind of fucking get it huh. reinstated. Yeah, Crazy. Like, I, it's not even that bad. I mean, there's a couple scenes, like, the well, beginning and the end. But it's really not that egregious. I'm kind of surprised. Now we we're so, like, desensitized to it. We're like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, in the age of fucking, you know, before we had, like, unrated DVD. And now you can pretty much show anything anywhere. You know, we talk about on the Evil Speak episode too where like that original cut wasn't fucking reinstated until much later but that's a later film i think that was like 81 my point is this is the turning point 
this film, American of London, Howling, all that kind of shit, like, this is the kind of turning point for horror films where we get a lot of the blood and body parts and nudity and all this shit that, like, really... I mean, there are movies like that that exist, but those movies aren't in the Hollywood eye at this point. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Herschel Gordon Lewis kind of shit. Like, that's all, like, independent films that are playing on fucking 42nd Street, and they're not, like, playing in big theaters. You know what I mean? Grindhouses, if you will. Oh, yeah. So, that was... It was extreme for Hollywood, put it that way, at this point in time. No, yeah, I totally get that. I'm just thinking... Like you said, I guess I'm thinking about it from, like, today's standards, but it still blows my mind either way. For sure. So, he kills fucking Ed, and then, like, wanders over to uh, this girl Amanda's house, who makes sense because she's actually part of a bloodline that we'll get to later. Right. But uh, he, like, faints, and they put him back in the hospital. And fucking, we're introduced to Archie Armstrong. Talk about fucking evil speak. He was Sarge in evil speak. Oh, my God. The doctor? Yeah, the doctor. Oh, wow. I did not put that together. <laughs> yeah, dude. He fucking, that's what happened, man. He went, he went here. He was a doctor. This whole fucking <laughs> shenanigans happens. He goes crazy. Ends up living in the fucking army basement. Maybe. Oh, my God. Pushing fucking Clint Howard around. Making him do all the things he doesn't want to do getting his head cut off with a claymore fucking getting drunk touching boys maybe oh god he did do that didn't he he sure did go check that episode out if that didn't uh turn you on to it at least i trust us it's a good one <laughs> it's a great flick so the, the, at one point the judge is like where's ed he didn't open a newspaper and we're introduced to this dexter ward character by the way uh, Kerwin and Dexter Ward are both names pulled from the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Curious Case of, or The Case of Charles Dexter Ward. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles Dexter Ward being the, the main protagonist and, uh, Kerwin being another name that's featured in that story. But anyway, I thought that was kind of neat that Tom was like, ah, I'm gonna use that. Fuck it. Why not? Well, it's kind of Lovecraftian. Yeah. In terms of, like, the way the story plays out and how, and how these things happen, which, will, you know, I'll get to in my final thought. So, yeah, so then the uh, judge, he fucking, like, walks over to the newspaper to go check on uh, Eddie, and he uh, he just finds, like, his mutilated corpse on the ground, and he's like, oh! <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. And then, meanwhile, back at the hospital, you know, Michael wakes up and he's, like, totally fine. Like, by the way, the night before, he, like, looks like dog shit. His fucking teeth are all fucked up. His face is all distorted. Oh, yeah. And now he just looks like, you know, a handsome young man. And they're like, wow, I, he's all better. I'm all better now. I'm, I'm going to go back home. <laughs> I laid my cicada eggs. You're under the uh, shed. Don't look down there. I laid them inside Ed's chest. Imagine that. <laughs> I would fucking love it, dude. Uh, but this is when we get introduced to a... Uh, MDU uh, alumni actually in the film. He, I th I kind of wish he did a little more in this, but um, Deputy Meshach Taylor. Oh yeah, Meshach Taylor's in this fucking movie, dude. Oh yeah, he comes into the hospital. Yeah, they're talking about how you know, oh Michael, the doctor said you're all better. We should leave, but he's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to leave yet. I don't want to leave. Yeah, they want to take him to Houston, and he's like, no, I, I gotta stay here in Neoba. And they're like, okay. Why? And then he he's just like, because, because, dad. And, my, and then, like, you know, they leave Michael alone, and he ends up, like, getting up and fucking getting ready, and he goes back to Amanda's house, uh, the chick that where he fainted the night before. Right, and he coaxes her to go on a walk with him, and, and she brings her dog, Dipper. <laughs> Dipper. I mean, I didn't catch that fucking name. I sure didn't. 
<laughs> I was like, why would you, who, who names their dog that? Dipper. Pippet! Now people are going to be calling it dip shit, dip, all these horrible <laughs> names when they're, when they're unhappy with this poor little dog. I guess that he, her fucking dad definitely kicks it. I know that. That's what I'm saying. Like once you meet this dad, this guy is the biggest piece of shit in the movie. Oh yeah. So they head into the, into the woods and I don't really understand this, I guess, cause it's the bog area. Amanda's like, oh, we really shouldn't go over there. He's like, yeah, come on, let's go. Why not? Let's go make out on the ground right next to it. Right next to a bog. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't be here. And he's like, come on, we gotta go. And he's like, yeah, my dad's a piece of shit. He fucking beats me. And uh, he'll kill you if uh, he knows we're here. And he's like, whatever, let's make out. Also, I totally forgot I buried a, a dead body right over there, by the way. <laughs> Don't look over there, Dipper. Don't worry, I got you, buddy. And Dipper goes and rips a fucking hand out of the ground and drops it right on her <laughs> face while they're fucking kicking it. <laughs> and she freaks the fuck out, which I was like, all right, that's probably the appropriate reaction. <laughs> I love how I love how like he has these bouts right where it cuts to the to the basement or it cuts to the 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 Sawyer house right and uh, right before they're making out he has like a breakdown for a moment there but I love it because the 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 visual storytelling there where it cuts back to the house and then you see him like holding the the trap door down like that evil dead door down while this thing's trying to bust out like he's fighting it back the beast within TM he's keeping at bay oh yeah I don't know it's cool and then we get a scene where the whole gang's there they got all the cops there the sheriff's there the fucking parents are there everyone's kind of freaked out about the dead body and then here comes this POS fucking dad yeah his name's Horace Platt and you've seen this guy in a ton of stuff. He is a fucking that guy, for sure. We got a few of them in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's in Close Encounters. I know him from Twilight Zone. He's the fucking co-pilot uh, on the uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet uh, segment with John Lithgow. Oh. But he's in Streets of Fire and Pale Rider and shit. I mean, okay. if you saw him, you'll know him, like, if you look him up. Sure. Uh, he comes in, he's immediately, like, grabbing Amanda and ripping her into the car. Oh, yeah, and he, like, threat. He gets her in the car and he goes, God damn you, girl! <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, she's gonna get a beating. They never really tell you, oh, well... Kind of. Yeah, his whole fucking thing is, like, he caught, because uh, Eli asks uh, the sheriff, he's like, he's always just pleasant, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, he uh, caught his wife cheating on him, so he fucking shot them both. And he's like, why isn't he in jail? And he's like, because his cousin's the judge. Yeah. Then we're like, okay, here we go. We're all fucking trying to cover something up, too. Uh, and if they covered that up, no big deal. Uh, what else are they hiding? No, exactly. So then uh, he drives off, and Michael's parents are like, uh, they want to take him home to get some rest. And Dad's like, ah, hold on, wife. I'm going to hang out and just uh, watch these men dig for a while. <laughs> And then a big giant title comes up that says The Second Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is uh, Meshach Taylor's scene that he gets a little bit of uh, focus on. Uh, it's a comedy scene. He he finds a fucking part of a dead body. And he's like, oh, shit, shit, shit. And he's like falling backwards. It's a skull, actually, he finds. Yeah, he pulls out a skull. Uh, the guy, Tom, who looks like somebody put Roy Scheider on a fucking uh, 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 radiator, you know? They end up pulling out a whole fucking skeleton, and they end up fighting, finding, like, 36 bodies. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, Eli's, like, fondling the bones, and then Doc Shoemaker, he's fondling the fucking bones, and they're just like, he's like, oh, yeah, this is one of my patients. He's like, notice this iron uh, pommel here? He's like, I installed it. Oh, yeah, the stainless steel ball in her fucking hip. He's like, I put that in there. He's like, but she was buried in the graveyard. What the fuck is she doing out here? Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, wait, there's something else. This bone looks like it was gnawed.
caught on. Right. Uh, I love this plot point. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the culmination of this, but it's just fucking cool to me. So then we cut back to the mortuary. And I didn't realize this was Edwin on the table for a while. Oh, yeah. I was just like, I just thought this was like a fat Ray Liotta or some shit. <laughs> so Ray Liotta 2021. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As soon as they put the glasses on him later, I'm like, oh, obviously that's Edwin. But the whole time I'm like, Who, what's with this Ray Liotta fuck? Oh, there you are, Edwin. Yeah. Because Lionel, Lionel Kerwin, the guy who we talked about getting murdered before, was the original mortician for the town, and Dexter was his assistant. And now Dexter is the mortician for the for the city. Right, and he's working on the body. And then basically this trio of dads, as I like to refer to them as, the doctor, Eli, and uh, Poole, they charge in. Yeah. And they're like, hey, uh, you got to tell us about the body. And he, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, and, and I want to refer to this this group of people as just the gang because they they, <laughs> they kind of migrate around the rest of the movie all together <laughs> they're never alone they're glued together at the hips it feels like and then mom's just around yeah now this is the scene with tom and again this guy looks like fucking roy scheider <laughs> somebody put roy scheider on a radiator and melted his fucking face michael is now there right he he he's out and about and he goes out every night and to, to to you know to kill people i guess uh this is the scene where we find out that michael is possessed by this guy billy connors right now here's the thing i'm gonna preface this with what tom says now tom says oh you know, oh, Billy Connors, I know you, you're, I remember we were, we were kids, we were best friends when we were kids, but now he's drunk as shit, by the way, and he's like, oh, you, you know, can you do the magic of the locusts and cicadas, can you keep living and becoming something else, can you be reborn, and he says this, like, very cryptic fucking, like, paragraph of shit, and it's cool because, like, not only is it insinuated that this fucking monster was Billy Connors that raped Caroline, and which birthed Michael, but is also he can also control him from beyond the grave, like psychically. Right. It's fucking crazy. He also mentions straight up that it's like related to cicadas. Like he's like every seventeen years. It's like how the hell does this guy know all this? I I, I don't know, but it's a cool like little lore bomb. And like again, like there was a reason why Tom Holland, you know, named the you know after dexter ward and and the Kerwins is because it's very similar to the kind to kind of what happens in the case of charles dexter ward and even uh the thing on the doorstep uh it's very in line with that and it's very cool um just real quick one last thing about that tom scene uh michael says that he's you know he he says that he's billy connors but he's back for all the Kerwins. he's gonna take his revenge on the Kerwins. right exactly and then that's why we go to dexter because dexter's a Kerwin. well dexter is in bed with the Kerwins, meaning that like he's like adjacent to it so then he's like going around and checking like uh all all the bodies on stretchers and he's like pulling the face away trying to find michael well, then he, like, for some reason stops because he finds, like, some naked woman and he starts, like, feeling her breasts and shit. I'm like, why does this happen in every movie that someone does this? He's playing the... F- it gets lonely in the fucking morgue, dude, you know? He forgot he was looking for the person trying to kill him. <laughs> he got a little distracted by a couple of bobos. Yeah, he's gonna fucking hide that sausage somewhere. Yeah, well, instead he gets an embalming uh, tool in the neck. Oh, dude, he gets stabbed with the fucking blood siphon thing? The giant needle? I, you know, I, I was kind of hoping for some more, like, monster kills, but also 
also, I kind of like the idea of these weird things you don't see in a lot of horror movies where it's like, oh, yeah, an embalming tool? Sure, let's embalm his ass. It feels, this movie feels like a mashup between, like, It's Alive and Death Dream. That's the best way I can explain the vibe of this flick. With, like, monster hijinks thrown in at the beginning and end. Sure. Yeah, before he gets stabbed with this thing, Dexter, like, calls the judge and he's like, I want out, motherfucker. He's like, give me... Bring me a stack of money. I want a fucking big payload and and then I'm gonna skip town and you can go fuck yourself, man. I'm done covering for you. And we're like, what? What is happening? Yeah. Anyway, gets his ass fucking stabbed and he dies. The gang comes back. And they dig up they dig up Emily's grave, the woman who, uh, the doc's like, oh, I put that ball bearing in her fucking leg or her hip or whatever. They're like, well, who's buried in Emily's grave? They open it up, and the fucking casket is filled with rocks. Right. <laughs> and then they kind of make the distinction to be like, okay, we got to go talk to Dexter and be like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, what have you been doing? You've been giving these to the fucking Van Dams. You've been feeding these to werewolves. What are you doing <laughs> That's here? exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> the Van Dams have been taking, yeah, yeah, the, he's been paying off the Van Dams with dead bodies, dude, yeah. Yeah, he's on Granny Van Dam's payroll, she makes him do this shit. Oh, you know, boys, you just give me some bodies and I need more to make the bloodstone and my dirty little dwarves will get you, mm-hmm. She's got some dirt on Dexter, she knows about his uh, past with Lionel and all that. I know what you do with those bodies late at night, my boy. Don't make me tell people about it, you know what I mean? I know what you did to Billy Connors. <laughs> you fingered Billy Connors? I mean, what? I, I wasn't really that involved with it. I'm just a, I'm just like the stooge. I just kind of covered for the other guys. Uh, Not too bad, you gotta die. <laughs> doesn't matter, that's part of the revenge plot. Bye. You got a weird haircut, you look a little off, you're getting killed. Uh, so yeah, so the gang goes back to the fucking morgue, and uh, this room is covered in blood, and they pull this fucking sheet off and uh dexter has this giant you know the the, the fucking uh the blood siphon like stuck in his chest and he's yeah. being like pumped out so then michael he disappears again and he heads over to amanda's but now he's being like a fucking creep like before it was like he's being a creep because of the uh the possession angle but now he's just being a weirdo because he like basically breaks into her house well you know he's 17 and he and she's a hot I girl guess. you know she's an attractive young woman and like being like a young dude who's feeling better now because he was sick like again like a month ago he was fine you know and he's he's i don't know he's into her right and i guess he's got this idea in his head that as soon as he's quote-unquote better then his parents are going to take him out of the hospital and they're going to go back to wherever they live because i guess the implication is they brought him there because this was like the only doctor that would even operate on him or whatever no they took him there and left him in that hospital while they did their research of like what the fuck is going on you know what i mean oh well that too but like he likes his girl now and if they're going to leave it's like oh this girl's going to be out of the picture so like i get it but it's like why are you going to sneak into a room well he he wants to stay because he's got unfinished business the the, the, the fucking thing is the 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 spirit of billy connor's is keeping him there so he can get his revenge well okay yeah that too the dad <laughs> eli says oh i know why you want to stay for that girl and he's like yeah the girl but he is attracted to her anyway he's in the fucking house and i think they like kind of piece it together that that's where he would go and so they all like rush there all the adults and then uh they go there and de- piece of shit dad answers the door and he's like, yeah, no, your son's not here with my daughter. Hell no. And like, <laughs> meanwhile, his son or uh, his daughter's having a conversation with Michael in her bedroom. Well, Michael's about to kill her with the fuck. He was he was going to fucking. Oh, with like a snow globe, right? Yeah, dude. He was going to straight up billy this chick. Yeah, he didn't have a glass unicorn this time, though. No, he had a fucking snow globe and he was going to bash her fucking brains in because she is a Kerwin as well. Right, right. 
So then she screams and they all run upstairs and piece of shit dad's just like, now he's going to beat his daughter on top of all this. Oh man, they have, yeah, they have this altercation and, uh... Well, he slaps the shit out of her. Yeah, he has a slap in for good measure. And then he's like, I'm sorry, uh, I can't get over your mom cheating on me. Hugs her and then acts like it's all fine. It's like, no, that's not how it works, but okay. There's this weird thing. I mean, they don't go into it in the movie, but there is this weird air of like, you're my baby and I love you and nobody's gonna take you from me or whatever. Oh yeah. Like borderline, like weird sexual thing. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to those kind of situations but doesn't it's still ah it's 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 a weird additional layer to this movie yeah i I don't mind it but you know whatever so then uh the doctor shows uh mom and dad the updated x-rays of michael oh yeah he has a fucking new skin growing underneath his regular skin like yeah (laughs) it's pretty awesome he's the doc's like hi you know i touched him and i felt it and it was weird but uh there it is never saw anything like it no shit yeah they're like yeah you got any information about it he's like i have no idea i've never seen it before in my life just thought you should know (laughs) well see ya he uh this is when dad goes over to him in the hospital and he's like yep okay you can stop faking it hot shot we know you're okay he's like wait what are you talking about i can't leave yet and he's like we're going home kiddo and he's like you're not my dad billy connors is my dad right and then dad's like freaked out and gets really upset and he like runs into the other room screaming yeah after that we like cut to the judge and he's he goes to see the sheriff and he's like he's this maniac's killing Kerwins, don't you get it and he's like get the fuck out of my office <laughs> and then he overhears that uh dexter's dead yeah, Tom is, like, in a cell because he was, like, drunk the night before. <laughs> he's in the drunk tank. I'm like, what the hell? Why is Tom in the fucking police station all of a sudden? Oh, he's just the town drunk. Okay. Yeah, and, like, fucking uh, Poole, Bill Poole ends up giving him, like, f- the sheriff ends up giving him fucking money to go get breakfast. He's like, listen, sheriff, the kid, the McCleary boy, he's Billy Connors. And he's like, yeah, you're fucking drunk. Get the fuck out of here. Hey, I could use this money for a bottle of Tanafly. Yeah, well, there it goes, man. I think it, that fate would have been better than what happens to him. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. He melts? I'm uh, Yeah, maybe, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. This guy goes up like the fucking guy in Batman when the Joker gets him with the buzzer. <laughs> So Michael's in the hospital, and he has this, like, he takes his shirt off, and he looks in the mirror, and he has this fucking, like, slit on the top, like, back, right behind his, uh, in his middle of his back, on the top of his back. And the doctor's like, and he bandages it up, and the doctor's like, oh, what, what the fuck is that on the back of your neck? He's like, nothing. He's like, let me, let me take a peek at that. What do you say? Could be infected. So he does it, and then Michael, like, throws him against the fucking wall. (laughs) And then it, like, smash cuts to... Tom telling Eli and Caroline uh, about Michael being Billy, and they're like, get the fuck, don't talk about my son like that, you fucking crazy. Yeah, well, he, like, rushes up to them on, like, the side of the street or something. Yeah, but he runs off to, like, this fucking, like, water treatment plant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he, like, runs into the bog. I'm like, where is this guy going? Yeah, but, like, this is where I feel like a scene is missing, because he goes all the way to this fucking place and, like, sits down in fucking Pennywise's lair. Right, and then Michael is just there. Yeah, he like comes out. He's like, uh, uh, I, you think that you know, w- you know, you think I wouldn't remember that we used to come here as kids all the time? Because now he's like Billy, right? And every time he's Billy, they do this little uh, subtle effect 
where they uh, put some like makeup on his face to have like freckles, and I think like they put like uh, contact lenses in his eye. Yeah, he has like all these sunken features and these fucked up teeth and these crazy eyes and stuff. Billy Cotterwolf. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yep. Because he tells him he's like, oh, I came back after 17 years. I'm just like a cicada. Yeah, like the cicadas. I came back. Yeah. How is that possible? Don't worry about it. It was some Vishnu or something. I don't know. Tom doesn't even question him. He's like, oh fuck, and then. Fucking Michael Billy picks him up and throws him into this transformer at the bottom of this fucking thing, and he explodes. Oh, man. This guy, like, fries for a solid 30 seconds. He, like, he goes from Marv to just totally toasted. (laughs) And he turns into a skeleton. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying Joker when when he gives that guy the hand buzzer. That's what he looks like when he's done, except he's on fire. Oh, for sure. And then this knocks out the power in the sheriff's station. Oh, the whole town? It knocks it out. So then uh, Paul grabs a shotgun. He's like, I gotta go check it out. Yeah, we gotta go see what's up See what's up at the water fucking energy plant or something. We gotta go check out Ace Chemicals. <laughs> Batman just killed like 30 guys and blew it up and just ruined our water for the next 50 years. He, he threw Bullock into that fucking electric electrical panel. So we get this scene between Eli and the Doc, and he's like, who the fuck is Billy Connors? And we basically, Doc is basically like, oh, yeah, he was like some kind of swamp wizard or something. <laughs> you know, like Dr. Doolittle of the Bayou, I guess, question mark. He, he talked to the bog and the trees. He was kind of like the Lorax, but uh, more low budget. He even talked to the bugs, the cicadas, wink. So then we get another big title, The Third Night. Here we go. The Final Night. Yeah. So Michael's like creeping around Amanda's again, just asking for trouble. Again, this motherfucker breaks into her house while she's, well, she's not sleeping this time. She's making dinner. Well, this time he sees this bruise on her face and that's that with that situation. He's ending this dad. Yeah. Well, yes and no. This is the part where he's like, oh, you know, you got to get the fuck out. Like leave town. Right. And he like threatens her. Get in a truck and get the fuck out of Dodge because some shit's about to go down and I'm going to kill your dad and I'm also going to turn into a monster. <laughs> but then it's like that thing too where like I guess this is the only way he can get her to go but he like kind of re- he kind of like uh, gets violent with her and grabs her arm really uh, intensely and then she's like oh okay yeah I'll leave. Yeah she like cuts herself on a knife. Um, You know he's like oh you know uh, the murderer he's gonna kill you he's like you're a Kerwin and he's killing all the Kerwins get the fuck out of here and then oh god she goes upstairs to get changed man she takes her sweet ass time to get out of this fucking house let me tell you yeah she changes her bra she puts a different shirt on but while she's upstairs getting changed, like Joe mentioned, she cuts herself on a knife. He goes over and, you know, sticks his fingers in the blood and then sucks on them like she just fucking uh, came all over his fingers and he's getting off on it. It's disgusting. He's getting all sexual. He's looking up that sweet red juice. Yeah. He also mentions like the cicadas, they're into trees now to shed into skins. Wink, wink, transformation scene's coming up. Come on. Yeah, so then he rushes upstairs and is like, oh, you didn't leave yet? I told you to leave. Now something bad's gonna happen if you don't leave. He rips the fucking door handle out of the door, like rips it, like, like the wood, like rips it out of the door. And she's like, oh, Michael, you're crazy. Yeah. When Michael is the werewolf, he's not Michael Jackson. He's the werewolf. Uh, where cicada? He's not <laughs> Michael. He's Billy, and he's the were cicada Billy. He's the Connor Wolf. Yes, Connor's Wolf. And we're not talking about Dan Connors, although that would have made a better movie if he just turned into Dan Connors, John B- John Goodman from fucking Roseanne. 
<laughs> oh my god, he turns into John Goodman. He's got a, he, he just gets like big, has hairy arms, and has a, a plaid t-shirt on and blue jeans. Oh yeah, man. He, or he turns into fucking Edward Furlong. There you go. <laughs> that too, that could be interesting. But he runs off because now he's like, if she's not going to leave, I'm just going to have to kill myself. And uh, she's like chasing. I'm like, well, where are you going? Come on, wait up. Where are you going? Where are you going, Michael? And then he literally like runs out the second story window through like a balcony off the like the fucking deck of the building and hits the crown and eats shit. I guess he he says later that he's, he was trying to kill himself. But we cut to the fucking hospital and he's like on his stomach and the doc's like all right i'm gonna see what the fuck's under this bandage and he's like cut he cuts it off and then like starts cutting his skin and then like peels it back and you can see the the other skin underneath yeah aylmer shoots out real fast he scurries off (laughs) he starts singing his song what is a gander neander in search of a goose yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gives everybody the blue juice. Everybody's hanging out in the fucking hospital all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's basically just like, oh, kill me. He's like, I told you to get out of here. You leave town, Amanda. Ah, oh, kill me, dad. Because if if you don't kill me within the next half hour and two minutes, I'm going to turn into a cicada monster. Yeah. Or whatever. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how this thing is that, that much more powerful. Uh, once he's transformed, I guess once you see what he actually looks like under that skin, I guess we'll say. Uh, I, sh- okay, sure. He's had this thing growing inside him his whole life. It's also, uh, you know, Amanda leaves and she gets in the car and she and she actually leaves. She sure does. Yeah. It's also the full moon too, so like this is like the full cycle of the of this monster, which is kind of neat. Again, where cicada. Kind of neat. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So he's like, oh, you got to go to, you know, Michael's thrashing on the bed. He's like, you got to go to Lionel Kerwin's house, uh, the, 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 the root cellar. Uh, it, it's not going to be me. That thing in the basement is what I'm going to turn into, and then you won't be able to kill him. So Eli and uh, Paul, they, they head off to go investigate it. But, you know, then he's, like, starting to convulse and everything, so they tie him to the bed, Mom and uh, Doc, and then, uh... <laughs> He basically starts transforming. Oh, man, this is great. And, like, we cut back to um, Horace Platt, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to kill this kid. And the judge is like, well, well, we got to make it look like an accident. So the maniac got to the kid first, and there was nothing we could do about it. But then they end up, like, going to the hospital, and he's just going to, like, blow him away in his bed. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, we get this big transformation scene, which is fucking great. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the dad, he fucking, uh, piece of shit dad, he's got the gun ready. This fucking head expands, and this giant tongue comes out. <laughs> his fucking back is ripping open. Oh, the my bladders God. are going all over his face. His face is distorting. It looks great. It's like a Seth Brundle transformation. Oh, yeah, it definitely evokes that for sure, yeah. And uh, the face is fucking disgusting i mean it's a cicada what do you i don't know what i was expecting to be perfectly honest but it's it's cool you know i have a nickname for this monster it has nothing to do with cicadas but as soon as i saw this thing out in the wild i was thinking back to uh swole dobby <laughs> okay uh from last season and this is swole et this thing looks like big ass et like muscled up et uh stomping around breaking heads <laughs> 
it looks like somebody punched this thing a hundred times in the face <laughs> with a sledgehammer. Uh, it's like it like expands to like this giant like beach balls. Swall Dobby punched it in the face a hundred times. A Bobo did maybe. <laughs> a Bobo fucking sat on this guy's head. Uh, it, it like it's all. It looks like he got stung by a bunch of bees. It, it, but it looks really good. Uh, you know. Yeah. No, it does. It's fucking crazy looking. So pizza shit dad shoots it twice. It does nothing. Right in the chest, point blank, with a fucking shotgun. Then he gets his uh. What, what, how does this guy die? He gets his head ripped off, I think. No, you know, he like gets slammed against the thing, and then Michael escapes. Now here's the thing. Again, it feels like a scene is missing because he kills Horace and then and then escapes, and the doc's like, "We gotta go after him." It immediately cuts to the fucking woods, and they're walking through it, and Horace is like strung up in a tree. Oh right, yeah. And I'm like, "How the fuck did he get that? Like, what are you talking about?" Yeah, and in the meantime, like Dad and. Uh pool they found like the basement where like billy connor's is like body is there right and it's like basically this monster after it was shot the night before or the night of the rape 17 years prior yeah meshock taylor was like that thing is way too big to be fucking billy connor's because it's like this giant skeleton with this crazy like mal-shaped head and body yeah but it's disgusting, and, and oh, it kind of cool. gets the point across that this is what your son's going to turn into. Yeah. They're walking through this woods, uh, the, these woods, and fucking Horace Platt falls out of a fucking tree, and then they come across Michael's skin, like, in a tree. Oh, that was disgusting. That was really well done. It's awesome. Like, he, the, the, the monsters finally, like, shed the entirety of the skin, and, like, it's just hanging on a tree. Yes, okay, so I take it back. This is Swall E.T. I forgot that there was a middle part there for a second. <laughs> the full transformation looks like Swall E.T. Just, you know, its fingers are lit up, it's firing off beams, I don't know. Kind of looks a little bit like the suckling. Yeah, definitely a cousin for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's creepy as hell. Because then we also have, like, during all this, the uh, the judge is, like, shitting his britches, and he runs, like, home, and he clears his safe out, and he takes, like, his fucking wig off and his glasses off. <laughs> he has a wig. Like, changing his whole persona. He's, like, pulling a stepfather and trying to, like, just so he's not recognized kind of thing. I guess so. I think it was just too itchy, right? It was too hot. Uh, hot those hot summer nights, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, his Sony Bono wig. Yeah. Uh, look out for any uh, trees while you're skiing there, pal. Yeah, man. They're tracking this monster, and they're like, oh, you know, it's tracks in here. Maybe it flew. Uh, it doesn't have wings, though. I think because it shed its skin. I, I thought the implication there was that because it's a cicada monster, it, it left ground and, like, hopped and flew a little bit, but they never actually show it. It's possible, We do, but we don't do anything like that in this movie i probably because it was probably too expensive sure so then they all kind of meet at the sheriff's office yeah this is like the final stand kind of place and the judge gives the fucking lord dump here because because uh ronnie cox is like motherfucker he's like you knew all about this now spill it right why is my son basically this monster and how come if you knew about it why didn't you tell anybody Be- because it but it's so like it's so piecemeal but i kind of like it because he's like oh billy connor's and he tells this backstory of like you know, he's, he says his brother turned him into what he is, but, like, right. there's no, like, magic involved. Like, what happened was Lionel Kerwin was, like, a super religious dude, and he wouldn't, like, even fuck his wife. So his wife started fucking Billy Connors, and he caught them together, killed his wife, and locked Billy in his fucking basement in the Sawyer house. And he ended up throwing his wife's dead body down there for this fucking guy to eat. And then, I guess over time, he became this fucking monster, uh, almost like... Uh, 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 like a Smeagol effect, almost. Yeah, maybe. Almost like, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, 
uh, like Castle Freak or some shit. And then he proceeds to start robbing graves and taking dead bodies uh, from the corner and just or, or from the from the mortician, you know, Dexter and uh, feeding them to this fucking guy in this basement. Yeah, again, I still think he got that tip from GVD, whether he's working for her or he just, you know... It's possible. It was a recipe passed down, but uh, yeah, that's what he had to eat. That's the thing. They never really go into it. They they imply that Billy was magical to begin with, kind of. Right. But they never really tell you how he turns into this fucking monster. I mean, he's disgusting, and, you know, he's like a full-fledged fucking were-cicada, right? Like, how does... I don't know how... Yeah, that, that part's never explained. No, it's just like black magic, whatever, whatever, guys in a, locked in a basement eating bodies, whatever, whatever. He's a <laughs> ghoul or whatever. Yeah, also, side note, when they go into that basement with the fucking body... You, it, it's kind of like uh, flooded and everything, so you know for a fact that the bones of Harry and Marv are in there somewhere next to some <laughs> fucking dead mosquitoes, giant mosquito bodies. <laughs> they sure are, yeah, for sure. Uh, this scene is really cool. This is the fucking so we get the rest of the jail scene, and they and this thing busts down the door. It's got these crazy wide white, like they're they're like giant brown eyes. That's why that's why I make the correlation to the suckling cuz they're like human looking eyes but they're just giant. Yeah. And they lock themselves in the back in, in into the uh the place where all the cells are, right? So it's like it's like locked down like armor. And the judge is like, "Lock me up, motherfucker." He's like, "That thing's going to kill me." So they lock him up. Oh my god. And this thing like talk about the suckling. Oh yeah, dude. He's he he's backing up into like the wall. Just like in the suckling, it bursts through the fucking wall and rips his head off. Oh, man. This thing bursts through this concrete wall, grabs this guy by the face, and just pulls his head off backwards. It's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And again, like, this wasn't a staple of the films, like, big Hollywood movies, so this was like, holy shit, like... This is crazy. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why there was, like, big warnings on the movie posters and stuff, so... Oh, my God. Yeah. So then they all rush out, and I this is at the point where I noticed that uh, this doctor character is... He's basically dressed like Colonel Sanders. Pretty much. He's Sarge, dude. Oh, yeah. I almost... I actually forgot about this in the movie while watching it, and then when it cut back to it, I was like, oh, yeah, Amanda crashed her fucking car. Man. <laughs> because she wasn't paying attention to the road, and she somehow survived, even though she was ejected, like, 30 feet from her vehicle. Look, this woman saw these flashing uh, uh, roadblocks a mile away and just decided to scream at the last second and <laughs> crash into them. You had ample time to apply the brake, yep. turn, even grab the emergency brake. Yeah. I don't know. Pretty much anything. Instead, you just, like, crash into these blockades and go flying through your windshield. Man, not even. When we come back to her, like you said, she's the door is open and she's, like, five feet away from the car just, like, laying down. Yeah, I'd like to see the uh, math on that one. <laughs> What happened? That's like a back into the left kind of scenario in my mind. Oh, for sure. So, uh, spoilers, Billy shows up and, uh, <sighs> well, Michael shows up. Uh, it's Billy at this point, yeah. It's Connor Wolf. It, yeah, it's, it's it's the Ware Cicada Man. And history repeats itself. It sure does. Uh, for uh, poor Amanda's sake, unfortunately it does. Um, because it strips her down and uh gets on top of her and it's a little bit more egregious this time they're really showing it uh going to town on her oh man it shoots his goo and fucking bounces yeah he fucking howls to the moon and everything and then uh he uh runs into mom and dad well he tries to he tries to go to sleep in the mud like bury himself oh yeah yeah i'm all better now i just want to go to sleep in the mud and then eli finds him 
and starts digging him out and then he gets like in a chokehold and he's about to get killed and then mom comes over with this uh, shotgun that her husband had previously yeah speaking of the fly yeah exactly and blows her fucking uh son's head off oh man they are showered in brains and shit it's great uh i still think the fly probably did it better but yeah definitely makes me think of the fly yeah you know the first thing i would do is get that you know Get that poor girl an abortion, please. Yeah. And just end this fucking madness. You think mom and dad stayed quiet? You think they were like, you know what? It's her fucking problem now. She can deal with this in 17 years. <laughs> oh, that would be so fucked up, dude. That's the thing, though. Like, is Billy just going to keep coming back every time? Like, he's just going to turn it. He's going to impregnate a woman, come back as cicada man, and then rape another person and just keep coming back. I mean, if this director had any kind of uh, foresight, uh, maybe they could have had a baked-in sequel every 17 years for this franchise. He probably could have made, like, three or four more if they really had the time and money. But uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that there's a reason why that didn't happen. Yeah, every 17 years for, for four days, it gets to it gets to rape. Yeah. Yeah. Think about what you just said. I wonder why they didn't make more. And then, uh... The movie kind of wraps up after that. Oh, it cuts to fucking credits. Well, we do get a scene. We do get a scene of mom and dad kind of hugging because mom loses it after having to, you know, blow her kid's head off, even though she, he was this hideous monster. And then, yeah, you're right. We we do get a, the final shot is back at the Sawyer house, though. The, well, the sheriff brings this poor naked girl over and then it like cuts to the to the, the Sawyer house. and Then it cuts to credits. Man, um, where are we putting this? Yeah, for me, this is definitely in the dumpster. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it's definitely like a surface level kind of dumpster flick, but I didn't love this. Uh, I didn't hate it, but it was just okay for me. Probably never going to watch it again. Uh, you know, the effects are really good, especially the monster at the end. I mean, I'm joking about calling it Swole E.T., but, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm only half joking. It really looked like a jacked-ass <laughs> E.T., and I kind of love that. Let's get him and Dobby on the car. They can go at it. We can uh, make some money, get uh, Don King involved. I've heard he's pretty good at that. <laughs> Maybe Daniel Baldwin can handle it for the MDU version. I don't know. It's possible, dude. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, the story's pretty good, and, uh, you know, anytime there's any kind of, like, rape in a movie i'm kind of turned off this movie a little less so because it kind of is the crux of the plot and it kind of doesn't work without that and uh, i talked about that briefly in the early in the episode so i don't want to i don't want to go on about that too long but that is something that takes away from it a little bit for me sure but uh it was just uh it was fine i didn't love it i just uh wasn't really into it it was a little slow uh in some parts and uh I just thought there was a little bit too many, uh, there, there was just too many layers to it. Like, okay, this guy's a, uh, wear cicada, but also it's a revenge plot and also he's possessed. It's like, I don't know. I think they were trying a little too much with this one. They were a little bit too, um, they, they, they overthought this one a little, I feel like. I, I feel like it's a unique thing though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've ever seen it done that way. That is very true. And that's why I feel weird. Like, I don't think they did anything wrong per se. It just, for me, it was like overkill. It was too much. Sure. Remove one of the elements. Like, I don't know, the revenge <laughs> sure. angle. I think if you got rid of that, I, it would have been better for me. But I mean, you could make an argument then why is he killing people? It, it's, 
it's fine. I, I don't I don't dislike it, but I I think they could have done something a little bit more interesting. And uh, beyond that, it's 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 a pretty good movie. Check it out. Uh, even though I'm saying it's pretty good, I'm not gonna watch it again. I, like I said, it's in the dumpster, probably next to all the dead cicadas out there. After you know, they only live for like a fucking week or two, and then they die. Brood X, yeah, they're all dead now. Yeah, and they uh, they get picked up and they get dumped in the dumpster with uh, your moldy cheese fries and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your used tampons and uh, the the dirty diapers, and they're shoved in there. You know, they're surface level, so hopefully there's not too many of them in there with the diapers. But, you know, some people, they don't push them down with a stick. They just throw them on top and just leave them where they lie. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of where this movie is. This is on the shelf. It has been uh, since forever, since the first time I saw this um, on Monster Vision when I was a kid. And it is such a great... The story and all the story beats in this are, like, really great. Like, again, Tom Holland is writing here, and um, I like that it pulls from, like, other, like, like it pulls from, like, uh, Lovecraft stories, and I love the kind of, uh, the setting is in, like, the bayou, and it's the swamp monster, and, like, again, it has those vibes of, like, the thing on the doorstep and uh, the case of Charles X. Reward, and, um just a really bizarre like again werewolf cicada like that's insane i love it i like how i like how the the uh the lore isn't completely spelled out for you and it's kind of left up in the air but it obviously has to do with some kind of magic and some kind of curse or whatever and yeah i think it's really cool because of that and i don't know it feels good it feels like it feels like a lovecraft story um Especially with like the 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 impregnation and like the 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 transferring of bodies and being like reborn inside a body, but also controlling it in a in like a uh, uh, a psychological sense, uh, like a disembodied like you know a spirit, not I guess a spirit from the other side or a ghost, uh, controlling him from the inside and kind of taking over his body. Uh, as he loses control of it, and I think that's kind of neat. Um, there's some weird shit in this movie, and I feel like this movie is kind of overshadowed, especially for when it came out. Especially when it came out too, like you have American Werewolf in London and the Howling and the Thing coming out all around the same time, like in the same clip. Um, it's easy for this film to get kind of lost in the uh, kerfuffle, right? If you've never seen it, definitely check it out um, or revisit it. It's a great flick. Again, it takes place in the uh, in the in autumn, I believe, but like it's definitely a great summer movie, especially uh, with all the cicada motifs and things like that. The effects are fucking amazing. Tom Berman does an, and his crew do an awesome job. Um, it can be a little slow in parts, but every scene counts right it's building up the story there's it's it's more like a mystery kind of movie putting the pieces together who done it kind of thing or like why this shit is happening it's a great flick definitely check it out uh on the shelf absolutely uh, i'm looking forward to uh possibly doing this on book to the movie with um with cb smith because i really want to know if uh Ed Levy uh, added anything to the story, if there was any other, like, embellishments that he did kind of going into what's going on and, and how uh, it happens, like, with the with the magic or whatever, or, like, the wear, the wear cicada portion of it. Again, I can't stress enough, it's such a weird thing. I've never seen it done like this quite, quite like this before. Um, and, yeah, totally check it out and see if it's your cup of tea or not. And yeah, also, don't forget to uh, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Uh, It always helps us out. 
Helps us get out of the bottom of the dumpster into more eardrums, like Sean always says. Uh, go to moviedumpsterpodcast.com, and you can get all that good stuff. You get the store, you can sign up for that Patreon, get yourself some some swag, and uh, get some commentary tracks and some watch-alongs. You're not going to want to miss that Super Mario uh, watch-along. Oh, no. The Morton Jenkel cut, you're not going to want to miss that. Like I said earlier, I can't wait for that. We've also got a book to the movie coming to you this month. Uh, we, we sat down with CB for MK Annihilation, funnily enough. Two months removed from our video game month. Oh, yeah. Super Combat Fighter uh, Double Dumpster Edition Turbo. <laughs> wow, there you go. Wow, I, I got it in uh, one try due to the magic of editing. <laughs> we also got a Deep Blood commentary track coming for you on Patreon, too. Oh, man. Uh, Joe Diamato's Deep Blood, uh, Jaws the Revenge, the ripoff <laughs> for you. That should be fun. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be a hoot. Little shark exploitation here. Yeah. Oh, we're going. We're fucking. We're we're diving back into shark exploitation. Um, and don't forget, we got talks from the dark side coming out. We're gonna try to hit you with those every Wednesday, um, if we can, and uh, that's the goal. So uh, keep an eye on for those. Oh yeah. And we love to thank our listeners, you guys at home, the dumpster dwellers, keep this show going, and especially our patrons and this is probably gonna be uh the last time we do this for a while i think i might bring it back when we hit 50 there's a lot as part of a special occasion but uh just wanted to say thank you to everyone that is our patron and shows support and uh we're gonna read their names one last time and then uh i'll bring it back maybe when we hit 50 uh but thank you to hunter davenport brendan lemune the autistic gamer 89 christopher jacob chavez Leonardo, Roberto, Talavera, Barocio. Where Gorlami? Yeah, <laughs> where Lami? Amanda Tweed, Joe Has a Mustache, Dustin Elkins, Nick Lowry, Serge Murillo, Matt Collins, Lucio Fulci's Butt, Julia Lockwood, Kyle McDonald, Nicholas Walters, Daniel Perhaps, Jacob Fonsbeck, Patrick Farmer, Tony from Hack the Movies, C.B. Smith, Arlen Haro, C.J. Duke, Norman Mata, La Brandita Senorita Rico, Matt Lasky, Ken Smith, Dustin Connor, Dave Lockwood, Brian Barrio, Russell Duvall, Anton Rickard, Jeremy Fredenberg, Johnny Miller, Richard Kimball, Aaron D., and Conroy Tatro. Thank you all, and uh, we really appreciate your support. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show, um, especially lately. Uh, I can't, we can't thank you enough uh, for coming out. The last live show we had, there was a ton of people, and we got a bunch of people signing up for the Patreon. We got a bunch of people subscribing to us on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show, and we are looking forward to uh, all the good stuff we got coming up. So uh, thanks for hanging in there with us and uh, going into the future of Movie Dumpster. And uh, catch us on that next live show at the end of the month. Uh, we'll be back with a new one. For sure. So that's it. That's The Beast Within from 1981, directed by Philippe Mora. If you want some more good, bad, and god-awful movie goodness, head over to moviedumpsterpodcast.com and follow us on all of your favorite social media and streaming platforms. You can also head on over to our Patreon page and sign up for the 2 5 or $10 tiers for monthly exclusive content, or drop by our merch store and grab yourself uh, some non-committal swag. Yeah, and for no money at all, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to support your favorite show. I'm Joe Lascola. And I'm Sean O'Rourke. Thanks for visiting the dumpster.